You're listening to the Sunday morning service from Harvest Bible Church. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Mark Butler. To learn more about us, please visit harvestbibleonline.org. Hey, before I get started this morning, we're going to show you a video that we showed yesterday to the Children's Church because it goes right with what I'm going to share this morning uh, because I'm going to talk about the power of a seed, talking about the power of the Word of God, but just talking about a power just of the seed, of a single seed of what God can do. So, Greg, you're going to run that? Go ahead. Every one of us probably knows who Billy Graham is. To date, he has reached over 2 billion people with the good news through his evangelistic crusades. He has shared the gospel with more people than anyone in history. The impact God has made through his life is immeasurable. But what many of us probably don't know is who shared the gospel with him and how it all started nearly a hundred years before Billy Graham with a man named Edward Kimball. Edward Kimball was a humble Sunday school teacher in Detroit with a passion for investing in his students. One of these students was a young boy who worked at his uncle's shoe store as a teenager. Edward Kimball noticed his lack of interest during class and decided to meet him in his world instead. So he went to him at his job. That encounter would change everything. After their conversation, the boy gave his life to the Lord and went on to be one of the greatest evangelists in history. His name was Dwight L. Moody. During a series of crusades, Dwight L. Moody went to Liverpool, England. While he was there, a man named F.B. Meyer, the pastor of a Baptist church, was transformed by Moody's message. Moody then invited Meyer to tour America with him. At a Bible conference, Meyer asked the audience, if you are not willing to give up everything for Christ, are you willing to be made willing? This question challenged a man in the crowd named John Wilbur Chapman, who then also went on to become an evangelist. Billy Sunday, a professional baseball player at the time, attended one of Chapman's meetings where he gave his life to the Lord, quit his baseball career, and pursued Christian ministry. During the early 20th century, he went on to become the nation's most famous evangelist. In 1934, a group of believers who came to the Lord through Sunday asked evangelist Mordecai Ham to organize local revival meetings in Charlotte, North Carolina. It was at one of these meetings that Billy Graham gave his life to the Lord. Edward Kimball was a simple man, but his passion and obedience led to one great encounter that created a timeline leading to the salvation of millions. Every encounter matters. You may not feel like a great evangelist like Billy Graham or Dwight L. Moody, but you never know what chain you may be a part of when sharing the good news. Anyone can count the seeds in an apple, but only God can count the number of apples in a seed. Amen. Now we shared that. Of course, we have, we gave everybody a little mustard seed here, which is, this is what this is. It's a pretty bag that my wife does, but uh, I tell you, it's, when the, and it's so small you can't even see it. So, but I have it up here for a purpose. And the purpose is, if you have your Bibles, turn to Mark chapter 4, and we're going to share about the power of just a simple seed, the power of your voice and the power of you. Reason being is, is, listen, folks, yeah, we're packed out. We are. Glory to God. We should go to two service, three services, but we have a little rebellion in our children's church leader and our worship leader. So, uh, but anyways, y'all pray for, for that person, okay? Because it has to be one and the same. And uh, anyways, so working on that. And uh, no, I love her dearly. She just can't be at five places at once, okay? And I appreciate all those that came yesterday. It was such a great time. 
And uh, we, we, we thank God for that. But also, I don't want to lose the excitement. We have such an excitement. We have such a joy of being here and being full and being blessed. And we thank all of the people that get to, to watch online. And uh, But, you know, when we look at Mark chapter 4, and we're going to talk about the parable of the sower, which is probably the most famous parable. And the reason it's the most famous parable is because Jesus said, if you don't understand this parable, you won't understand the Bible. So that's why it's so vitally important to understand about the sower sowing the word and getting a hold of this. But I like that little phrase. Did you catch the phrase that they said at the end of that? You may be able to count the number of seeds in an apple, but you'll not, you can't, only God can count the number of apples in a seed. And when you see this and when you saw the connectivity of what goes on down about one Sunday school teacher way back taking a, a, an interest in saying, hey, I'm going to go reach this guy. He doesn't want to listen here, so I'm going to go where he's working. Aren't you glad that God called us all to go? As you look at this and you see it, you say, well, pastor, we have no room. I know that, but glory to God, you can give up your seat if we bring somebody with you. And you can sit behind them or stand up. We'll work it out. We'll let all of those that have to sit, sit. Those that can stand, we'll stand. We'll have fun until we can remodel and build and do the thing. And that's what we're believing God for, working on that. Amen. And, don't, you know, we may go, like I said, we may go to two services if we can figure things out here too because we thank God for that. But amen. How many of you found Mark chapter 4? Amen. Glory to God. Uh, let's begin reading at verse 13 because we know what they talk about. Uh, other. But in verse 13 it says, Jesus said unto them, Know ye not this parable? And how then will you know all parables? The sower sows the word. Aren't you glad for that? Glory to God. Hallelujah. I'm going to read this to you out of the Amplified Bible because I think it just gives us some things a little bit more. And what it does, it just gives some more meaning of the words that are there. So I'm just going to read all the way down from the 13th to the 20th verse. It says, and he said to them, do you not discern and understand this parable? How then is it possible for you to discern and understand all parables? So the sower sows the word. The ones along the path are those who have the word sown in their hearts, but when they hear, Satan comes at once, and by force he takes away the message which is sown in them. And in the same way, the ones sown upon stony ground are those who, when they hear the word, at once they receive it and accept it and they welcome it with joy. And they have no real root in themselves, and so they endure for a little while. Then when trouble or persecution arises on account of the word, they immediately are offended. They become displeased, they become indignant, or they become resentful. And they stumble and fall away. And the ones sown among the thorns are others who hear the word. Then the cares and the anxieties of the world and the distractions of the age and the pleasure and the delight and the false glamour and the deceitfulness of riches and the craving and the passionate desire for other things creep in and choke and suffocate the word. And it becomes fruitless. And those sown on good ground, well-adapted soil, are the ones who hear the word and receive it and accept it and welcome it and bear fruit, some 30, some 60, and some even a 100 times as much. Amen? You know, one of the things to understand about it, uh, now you're there, jump down if you would uh, to uh, verse 30. 
because I'm going to liken into this right here. It says, and when he said, whereunto shall we liken the kingdom of God or with what comparison shall we compare it? How do we compare the kingdom of God? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which is when it is sown in the earth, it is less than all the seeds that be in the earth. But when it is sown, it grows up and it becomes greater than all the herbs and it shoots out great branches so that the fowl of the air may lodge under the shadow of it. Amen. So he said the kingdom of God is like a little bitty mustard seed that seems so insignificant. It seems like it doesn't really matter. The problem is, is that God, he's the one that put this whole plan into action. And he said, everything I do starts out with a seed. Everything I do starts out with just a thought or something I'm going to plant on the inside. That I give you the ability, I give you the word of God to do that. And we think that the word of God seems to be so insignificant to what we're facing. But if you'll plant the word of God in your heart and you'll begin to accept it, you'll begin to welcome it, you'll begin to receive it, hallelujah, then guess what happens? That seed's going to grow up. That seed's going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. But here's the thing about it is, is that we have a tendency to, when we talk about seed, most people only think about how they can meet their, you know, the physical needs of things. And yet, how many know that the word of God takes care of you, spirit, soul, and body? And if your spirit is strong, because it's the strong spirit of a man that sustains them in times of trouble and of bodily pain. Amen? So it's strength of spirit that we need. Notice in here it gives us three types of ground. And how many of you know you're the one that determines what kind of ground you are? So we can talk about it and say, oh, well, I don't, you know, and you determine if the thief's going to come immediately and steal. Because Satan always wants to come and try to steal the word of God. He doesn't want you to listen to it. Amen? I mean, we look at this and we see this because God does the principle. See, you remember over in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and I think it's verse 6, where it says, Paul said, I planted and Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. See, the only thing that we can give to God is our faithfulness. God's the one that determines your success. God's the one that determines the outcome of the circumstances of everything. But you determine whether or not you're going to give them faith, your faithfulness to this and your obedience to doing it. Amen? And we, don't, we think that just because we say something or do something, we don't really know what, what's this going to do. You know, I've used this as this great example. I used it yesterday because it's so precious because these are friends of mine. All right, these are friends of mine, and, and she was telling her story. She's a pastor's wife now. But when she was a teenager, she divorced her parents legally. When she was 17 years old, she could go run on the streets of Santa Cruz and do all kinds of things. And then she's basically a year later thinking about killing herself uh, because she'd never been in church except for one time. Her aunt took her to one church Sunday school. She heard one Bible story. She heard one scripture in her entire life from that time. And when she's about to kill herself, what comes up? But one Bible story, one scripture, and she gets saved, goes to Bible school, marries a minister, been in ministry all all the time. Amen. And you see that story. And I love that story because that's the power of the seed. Did you know that when she was four years old, she went? Is when she heard that. Do you know she didn't remember until she was 18? That seed lied dormant until she needed it. How you know the word of God, how did it, when you keep putting it in you, it'll come out exactly the same time that you need it. 
And you know, you remember I told the story yesterday and I told this on Wednesday night about uh, an aunt that uh, she, she did Sunday school for 65 years in the same church. 60 in a small town in Idaho, real sweet. It's sweet, I mean, but 65 years. And so when she decided to stop doing children's church at 85 years old, she decided that, okay, I'm not gonna do this anymore. They had a big thing and they put it in the paper and all of a sudden, all of these people, the governor wrote, uh, two state senators wrote, uh, all of these people that were mayors and all the, everybody said, because they all got saved in her Sunday school class. And they all got there and touched her life. You see, the amazing thing about it is, is that this pastor's wife that I just told you about, they pastored that church when she retired. <laughs> you know, you get connectivity to things and you think that it really doesn't matter about things. I mean, who am I? But isn't it amazing that it's you just sharing your testimony, you reaching out, you sharing one thing, and just like, uh, Kimball, who was the son, went to D.L. Moody's where he was working. He took time to go out and to do things because you've got to understand the power of the seed. See, God works with that in every area of our life. In every area of our life, we see this. You know, I mean, the, the, the word of God has all the promises that we need. How many of you know that? Yes. It does. It has all the provision. It has all the purpose. Isn't it amazing how many people don't have purpose? I'm so glad you are purpose-filled people here this morning. You have a purpose. You you came here on purpose, which is amazing. I'm always so shocked when people show up. It's always exciting, you know? Hallelujah. But there's a a purpose that's here. But we've got to sow the word of God, continually keep planting seeds and keep watering the seed on the inside of us because what happens is it'll begin to grow. See, you're here, and look at verse 30 where it says, it grows up, or verse 32, excuse me, it says when the, the seed is sown, it grows up and it becomes greater. It's like this. You may be attacked in some areas of lack or you may be attacked in the area of physical where you need healing and it seems like, wow, things are screaming at you of what's going on and yet this word over here says by his stripes you're healed. And it may be by his stripes you're healed and this may be, you sick, you sick. <laughs> and it's screaming at you. But you just take the word of God and you keep speaking the word of God and pretty soon the word of God's going to be bigger than your sickness. It's going to be bigger than any. Because why? Because that's growing. It's coming up. It's growing and it's going to get bigger and bigger. Because he said, how do we liken the kingdom of God? What is the kingdom of God like? It's like a grain of mustard. It's so small. But when it's planted... Isn't it amazing people don't plant things? So says, well, how do you, Pastor, how do, I, how do I plant this? Well, first of all, you take the word of God, you know, you know, and you begin to get it on the inside of you. How do we get the word of God to grow? Well, you got to, first of all, read the word of God. Then you got to speak the word of God because you got to hear the word of God. If you want the word of God to become a word of God to you, you've got to read the word of God. Then you've got to speak the word of God out of it, and it's got to come back and you've got to actually hear yourself saying it and hear yourself receiving it because the word's got to become a word so that you can live on it, so that you can eat it. Amen. I mean, I had a class, and I so loved it because it was my first hour class in college, and, and we had just an old preacher, and his job was to just fire us up for the day. 
and he'd have nuggets of truth and he'd do these things. And man, he would say, he's listen, he'd say, the truth becomes a truth by you hearing it, by you speaking it, you hear it. It's got to drop down on the inside of you. You've got to taste and see that the Lord is good. See, if we say, well, how do I taste and see that the Lord is good? The Bible says the ear tries words like the mouth tastes food. So it means you've got to hear it. And the greatest preacher in all the world is you. And it's the power of your seed for you getting that seed on the inside and God leading you to put that seed into others. It's taken. Why? Because we've got to do that. We've got all these things because God's given us earthly assignments. He's given us things that we're to do. He's given people all around us that we're supposed to affect and touch. Amen? He, we're, we're supposed to do this. We're supposed to grab on. But we, it requires us taking this seed of the word of God and planting it in our heart and meditating on that and taking all that and watering that seed. How do you know that if you just have the seed but you don't ever plant it, all it is is hope. All it has is potential things for you. But if you don't put it in the ground, you don't water it, you don't tend to it, you don't weed around it so that the, the plant gets all the, the, you know, the water and the nutrient, you're not going to receive the fruit of it. And that's the frustrating thing is because you can have this big, beautiful tree, but no fruit on it. It could be like the fig tree in the garden when Jesus comes by, he's hungry and he sees this nice, beautiful green tree. He says, and he goes up to see if there's any figs on it and there's nothing there. It's deception. Amen. And now Jesus curses that and we know what happens there. It dries up, you know, <laughs> you know, see what happens. Everybody has the promise of this great future potential. How many of you know God wants us to have some now? He wants us to have some suddenlies. What do you mean by suddenly? Suddenly means suddenly you get to taste. Suddenly you get to see it. Suddenly it happens that there are some things that, glory to God, receive the answers to our prayers. That we see God moving and touching and doing. Amen? And you know what? You got to also watch out because see, how many, let me share something. This is that not only is God always trying to get his word, his good seed in you, the devil's always trying to get his seed in you. I mean, how many, how many ever heard of the, the parable of the wheat and the tares? That they, they planted wheat, but in the night, the enemy came in and threw it in tares. And then they said, somebody, oh, the enemy came in and planted. He said, do you want us to go pluck it up? He said, no, if you plucked it up, you're going to pluck up all of the others too. Amen. He said, what are we going to do? We're going to wait for harvest. And we wait for harvest. But isn't it amazing that if you read down there, the Bible says that the angels are the one that's going to separate the wheat and the tares. Amen. In our lives. But we're the ones that determine whether good seed is what we have. And we've got to guard that. How do they, how, what, is, what determines good seed? What determines bad seed? Well, the good seed is anything, praise God, that causes you to conform to God's image and God's likeness and what God said about you. Bad seed is anything that tells you that you're no good, anything that tells you that, you, you know, uh, that God's not going to come through, that anything that brings doubt, anything that brings unbelief, and anything that causes you to be in rebellion against God's design for your life. Remember? Philemon said, if you want your faith to become effectual or become uh, uh, working, it says that the communication of your faith may become effectual, then you've got to acknowledge every good thing. That's in you, that's in Christ Jesus. See, the problem is we have a tendency to look at how bad we are. We have a tendency to look at circumstances and speak what the circumstances is and speak what's going on around us. And so we continually plant bad seeds instead of good seeds. Isn't it amazing? We all want this great harvest, but we never plant seeds toward that. 
And when we talk about harvest, everybody's mind always goes to money. So dumb. <laughs> Let me just tell you a little story. When I was in eighth grade, I got a chance to work on an Arabian horse ranch. And uh, I was the stable boy, and I got to you know, clean out all the stalls and take care of the horses and do all the stuff. And we had the 1972 Grand National Champion for the United States. And uh, so, oddly enough, her name was Shalom. And, uh, and so it was really interesting. Well, I worked for this family who owned a bank in Walnut Creek. Okay? They owned the bank. Okay? Owned the bank. They didn't, weren't the president, you know, they were the president. And the, but the thing about, they, you know, it was all their money sustaining. So they were quite wealthy. The people that, uh, uh, you know, got to hang around a lot of rich, rich folks. And uh, got to travel all summer long to all of these different Arabian shows. And because I was taking care of the horses, getting them prepared to be showing and all that kind of stuff. Or English riding and haltering and all that kind of stuff. So doing all this. Anyways, but they used to they told me all the time, well, you need to be like us. You need to be like this. And, and, and they were the most dysfunctional family. <laughs> they were not, not any nice to be around. And uh, it was very, and it just came down to by the time, you know, school started and I was doing, still working and doing stuff, I worked for him for about six months or seven months. I finally just said, listen, if being rich is being like you, I want to be as poor as I can be. (laughs) I had enough sense at 14 to realize money is not where it's at. I seriously... I was getting paid $2.50 an hour, 24 hours a day while I was working. They paid me around the clock, 24 hours a day. So I was, I was doing good for a 14-year-old. And, uh, uh, of course, I was highly favored because I was dating their daughter. But <laughs> I had to throw that in there. But let me tell you a story. Let me tell you a story. But let me tell you a story. I kept sharing with their, you know, because she was my, I kept asking her to come to church and everything, and they were, you know, from a different, uh, uh, you know, denomination kind of thing. And so, but finally, I convinced them to allow her to come to church with me. And she came to church with me, and she gave her heart to Jesus. And one week later, she got killed. And uh, she was hit uh, because she was riding her bike in, in, in where he lives in California, there's high cornfields and stuff, and she went through a stop sign without stopping, and the car plowed into her. Just so happened to be uh, a pastor's wife of a local church in town. And uh, so it was a real challenging situation where I went through with the family. So I went through a lot of, tr- you know, to be with the family through all the stuff that they went through. And, uh, but I was so thankful, so thankful that I actually kept bugging her and I actually got her to come and actually I didn't force it she did it on her own received Jesus as her Lord and, and saved and she's in heaven today and, and you know that the key is and the reason I tell you that story is because we're talking about the power of a seed we're talking about a, the power of just sharing or talking or, or communicating with things and, and it frustrated me for a long, long time, you know, you realize, well, what happened, you know, because everybody said God needed a flower, God, you know, they told you all the stupid things, and, uh, you know, it was, you know, it was dumb, but, you know, and then God showed me Isaiah 57, 1, which says, you know, 
that people die before their time and God's protecting them. You know, no one seems to understand or know why, but it's because God is protecting them from the wrath to come. And I thoroughly am convinced that if she'd have stayed in that family, she'd have never, you know, uh, you know, glory to God, she'd have never made heaven. But God knew. Did God take her? No, the devil did. But the key is, is that thank God for the seed. See, the reason I share that with you is because we look at this and then people try to talk about bad seed because people are always trying to, well, if you want to get rich or if you want to do this or if you've got to do, you've got to do all these things here. No, you don't. If you want everything that God has, you do it God's way. Amen. Amen. So we see, and see, the, the problem is, here's one of the biggest problems that we have is, is that, uh, you know, we're looking, trying to look for harvest and we shouldn't be measuring our day by what we harvest. We should be measuring our day by what we sow. We should measure our day that how much did I get to sow today in people's lives? Did I get to sow kindness? Did I get to sow love? Did I get to, 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 to sow goodness? Did I get to sow helping? Did I get to sow? You know, money's way down on the totem pole. But it's talking about sowing our lives because people can see the hand of God upon our lives. And I tell you the stories because thank God for what God's grace did. Amen? We see God's hand. We see God's plan. And it's like, wow. Hallelujah. You know, uh, and we always want to try to determine our success. And yet God's the one that does that. Amen? We let God have the, the results. What we're going to do is we're going to do our faithfulness and we're going to do our sowing and sowing what God's called us to do. Amen? Because our success is really measured on the amount of our obedience. Thank you. Hallelujah. I know it's a little bit sobering, but God seems to be turning up the, 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 the uh, uh, I don't know what to say, the heat, but God's just turning us up to listen. It's time to get ourselves. It's time for the Spirit of God, the Word of God, and the seed of the Word of God to work in our lives. Because the word of God works. The word is life-giving. It is this. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And we need to understand as we, we look at this, what the word of God says, hallelujah, that there's life in that seed. Do you guys know that? Seeds never die because seeds are already dead. You do realize they found seed in a, in a mummy's tomb that was like supposedly 3,000 years old. And they wondered, I wonder if we plant these things, if they'll grow. Well, of course they will. The Bible said, unless the seeds die, it doesn't grow. So how many of you know that when you sow and you sow seeds or whatever you're doing, you're, that seed there is dying for that thing there so it can be a blessing and it can actually grow in that. Amen. So if you know that, then you're not trying to hang on to your seed. You're not trying to hang on to mercy because you're waiting to give it to somebody. Now you're giving mercy. You're just planting. Hallelujah. Because you want mercy to come back to you. Amen. How do you grab a hold of what, what this is? And, and we've got to sow. And we've got to sow in people's lives because that's one. The world out there needs us. They need, what, they need the truth. I mean, they're, they're, they're trying to do things, they're, they're, they're trying, and they're walking around with basically unrenewed minds, and it's crazy. Hallelujah. You know, so we need to judge each day, not by our harvest, but by our sowing, and allowing God to bring us to that point. Because guess what? We need this place to be overflowing. Yeah, we need to have five services if we need to, because we want to see people's lives being changed, the power of God. But that doesn't mean we need to have just one group of people doing everything. Amen. 
We need a multitude of, of, of people doing it, you know? Hallelujah. And you know, the biggest thing, if you'll understand that God is your source and not people, you'll do okay. Amen? Go over to Galatians chapter 6. You guys are going to have to start listening a little bit faster. I'm going a little slow here. No, I just, when you, when you share stories, it, it uh, and I haven't shared that story in a long time. It's funny. But I'm so glad for the seed. Because here's what most people do. They hear a word and they hear things. Yeah, I'm going to sow, I'm going to sow. And so the, you know, they go out and they just dump a truckload of seed. You know, if a farmer went out to a field and he just poured all of his seed in the corner, he'd have a great corner, but he wouldn't have nothing else. You know, how many know you got to do it? How many know it's good? There's things that he has to do. You know, it's like we look at this and go, hey, you know, and here's the other thing too is that there's, you're always sowing. It's a, you make it a lifestyle. Do you understand that? You just make it a lifestyle, you know. It, it, it just shocks me, when, you know, and I, you can share this story. You know, it's, it's like you believe God or you get the word of God. And I remember talking to people and they'd say, okay, well, pastor, I did that. Now, how long do I have to do it? How long do I have to continue? I said, how about your whole life? <sighs> no, I just want to do it. I want to, there's got to be a start time and a stop time because I need a vacation from God. And I'm like, listen. David said, if you make your bed in hell, God's still going to be there. So you can't get away from him. Amen? I've never heard of that. But see, I've had so many people. I literally had somebody tell me, don't you ever take a vacation from God? And I thought, are you serious? He said, yeah, I'm serious. Don't you take it? I said, no. No, everywhere I go, God's there. And if I want to, you know, if you take a vacation from God, what, do you, what are you telling me that is... Don't I ever think about sinning? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> what are we doing here? How do you get away from God? You know, hey, the first thing that came up was the same thing that came up. Then David said, "If I make my bed in hell, you're going to be there. So no matter where I go, Amen. God's going to be there." Look at Galatians chapter six and look at verse nine. He said, "Let us not be weary in well doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not." Amen. He also goes on in verse 10 and says, as we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men and especially unto them who are of the household of faith. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. See, when you get something on the inside of it and it becomes a way of life, things change. And it's like, yes, we begin to trust God of what he's doing. And, you know, I remember, you know, there's times in my life when I think, okay, God, where'd you go? It's been, a, it's been a dry season. You ever have a dry season where you just think, okay, God doesn't seem like he's answering. God doesn't seem like things are working. Things ain't happening. You know, and I'm saying, and basically I'm saying, God, I can't see your hand. Where's the hand of God? You know, where, where's your, what's going on here? And God just spoke to my heart. He said, hey, listen, if you can't see my hand, just trust my heart. I got you. I said, okay, I can do that. I can't see your hand. I can't see some things, but I'm just going to trust your heart because you love me and you care. And that's what the Bible says. You'll never leave me nor forsake me. Even though I may not be able to see you, I may never. Remember what David said in, in, in Psalms 27 verses 13 and 14. He said this, I would have died. I would have fainted had I not believed to see the goodness of God in the land of the living. I couldn't even see the goodness. of. And you've never been there, but I've been there where I couldn't see any good. 
I've been there where I couldn't see anything good about things happening. But what happened was the very next verse says, so then I'll just wait on the Lord and I'll trust in him. Amen. I'm just going to trust in him. But David said, I'm going to have to believe to see some goodness. I don't see any good. So I'm going to start believing for some goodness. And here's the thing too. One of the biggest things that we do, we always compare our garden with everybody else's garden. We always compare our life with everybody else's life. Amen. It's like, okay, we always got to remember this. Another man's blessing does not mean it's our loss. Okay. Another man's blessing doesn't mean that it's our loss. Just because God's blessing over you doesn't mean we're losing out on things. What's wrong with me? Why God, why are you doing that? No, no, no. God's blessing. We know we're in that same line. Woohoo. Glory to God. I got something to look forward to. I ain't got that, but I'm looking. I'm in the same line. I'm in the same family. Hallelujah. And if God will do it for them, God will do it for me. Amen. But we have a tendency to grumble and complain. We have a tendency to murmur. See, when you start murmuring and complaining, it just means your faith is out of focus. It means you got a little blurry. Now, I know you guys are all perfect, so I'm just preaching, but I help preaching to me. You know, it's like, hey, here we go. You know, and uh, uh, we see this. And when that happens, what happens? Then we see everything from a wrong perspective. How do you know, it look, if, you, if you just look naturally at the world and you look naturally at everybody who's, I mean, literally, if you just look naturally and you listen to the news or you listen and you just what's writing, you read the, you read the paper or you listen. Dude, we got a world gone crazy. It looks hopeless. It looks like, let's just blow everything up, start over. Come on now. I, you know, I try to listen. I try to hear, okay, how are they listening? How are they getting this? Or how, you know, I get news from every avenue. So I'm trying to get, you know, I like, I like that. It doesn't bother me to get all kinds of knowledge. But I'm looking at this thing and I'm going, wow. But you know what God said? Now, here's the thing, folks. God said, that in the last days, it's going to be like the days of Noah. Did you know that Noah was the worst time in the ever the history of the world because God wiped them all out except for one guy and his family. And his family wasn't doing too good. It's because of that one guy. <laughs> but thank God they listened to daddy because <laughs> they went into that boat a minority, but they came out a majority. We might leave this world as a minority of the group of the church and the body of Christ, but we're going to come back the majority. And we're going to come back in power and we're going to rule and reign with Jesus, okay? So you need to understand. That's why you need to take hold of the word of God. You need to go, okay, this is what you, you can't cast away your confidence. Amen. See, it says right here that don't get weary and well, and we can get weary and well doing because, well, what good, what hope is this? You know, we, we called our guy before and he didn't do anything. Or we call, listen, we continue to keep going. Let our voice be heard. Be like John the Baptist, the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Let your voice be heard. Let it be rise up. Let things begin to take place. Amen. We get to see this stuff here. We get to see what God has. Hallelujah. Because God starts everything out as a seed and then it becomes this incredible fruitful experience because the word of God is more powerful and the word of God is more precious Hallelujah, than everything else around you. See, until you're like Job and you say, your word is more precious to me than my necessary food. Because man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Amen. And aren't you glad that God said the law of Genesis is that God said every seed produces after its own kind. 
I mean, that means if you plant tomatoes, you're going to get some tomatoes. Okay? If you plant corn, you get corn. If you plant things, if you plant kindness, you're going to get kindness. You know, if you plant goodness or if you've, you plant strength, you plant the, you're doing this because you're allowing God to be God, you're going to receive that. And so that's the thing. And here's the thing. You, usually where you plant is not where you receive, you know, because God's the one that determines the harvest. Now, we know in the natural, yeah, we plant here. We know we're going to get from there. But in God's kingdom, you may plant here, but you may reap from over here. You know, it's so funny. We used to take teams out to go witnessing, to go, you know, witnessing and everything. We'd take teams out and go play. And isn't it funny? We'd always take teams away from wherever they were living because they didn't want to be embarrassed. Okay. So the way it was. So we would go downtown and we would go to these. So we'd go. And you know, funny thing about it is that we never harvested from where we were at. We'd lead people to Jesus. We'd sow seed. We'd help people. But we never really harvest people in church. But God would add to the church everywhere else. Because we were out here doing what he called us to do. But we were, we were sowing over here and harvesting over here. Because God's the one that determines where the harvest comes from. God's the one that can do this. God's the one that says, hey, you just, and, and we see God happening and say, okay, praise God. God's the one that has this. Amen. And many times, we, like I said, we get weary and well-doing because we don't understand the power of the word of God. But we need to believe that first. Amen. Because if God starts everything out as a seed, you know, it's kind of like Mark 4, right before there, he says that it, the first the blade, then the ear, then the full corn in the ear, which simply means it's growing. And just because we know something, we don't know all about it. Aren't you glad the word of God, oh man, it's just so rich. I've been reading this thing all of my life. I've been in church all of my life. So I've been reading my Bible all of my life. And, uh, you know, just looking at it and seeing it. And, it. and it just amazes me as I read it over and over again. Now, of course, now I read it in different translations and stuff. But just looking and seeing how rich it just keeps coming up. And it keeps just so joyful. Because I, I, made a, I made a determination a long time ago that I was not going to read uh, my Bible through this goggles or through that goggles. Amen? But I was going to read it with the Holy Spirit that every word of God brings life. One word from God can change my life forever. And that's what I wanted to ground. And I wanted to make sure that I didn't throw away my confidence and trust in the Lord, but that I took hold of the word of God. Hallelujah. Because I knew that everything God does, he starts with a seed of the word of God. He brings his word and then he changes my life. Amen. Amen. I love that. I love that. Because see, it's the fact. And God begins to remind you. You know, we were talking yesterday and just sharing about because how wonderful it is for Sunday school teachers or our children's church teachers and stuff. Because we're, we're just changing lives. Amen? We're seeing God do this one person at a time, and you never know who you're going to, who's going to affect. I mean, literally, you'll never know. When I was a youth minister, uh, I had a kid that was in my youth class, so in my youth group, and I didn't think he was going to live past 18. He was a challenge. He was rebellious. His parents were very, very strict, and so he was just really frustrated. And, uh, you know, I just told him, I said, listen, you do realize that that service over there is going to go two hours. They do an hour of worship, and that guy preaches for an hour. Now, I can preach for two hours. I saw a problem. I can do that. And he challenged me, and we did that for a couple of times. And, uh, 
you know, ruined it for about the other 36 kids that were there too. But, uh, you know, uh, anyways, you know, he realized, okay, I'm going to do this. But I remember later on afterwards, uh, 10, 11 years later, I'm in my office and I get a phone call. And he says, hey, Pastor Mark, this is so-and-so. And I said, oh, hey, how you doing? Man, what are you, what's going on in your life? Because you know, I remember it. I mean, you don't ever forget kids like that. You just, they're etched into you. You know, those are the ones that, you know, you tell, you tell stories about, like I'm telling. Okay? Those are the ones that works good, you know. I mean, hey, 40-some-odd years ago. He said, well, I'm just letting you know I'm graduating from college, and I'm, I've accepted a position as being a youth pastor at this church. I just went dead silent. I didn't even know what to say. I mean, that would be like, you know, I mean, that's like Saul all of a sudden saying, hey, I'm Paul now. Y'all can accept me. I know I killed your brother yesterday, but I'm sorry for today. It's like, that's about what I was, that's about what I was thinking. I was like, wow. I said, I mean, he goes, Pastor Mark? I said, uh, yeah, I'm here. Who, who am I talking to? He started laughing. He said, yeah, it's me. Now, if you would have asked me to pick one of the 36 kids who was going to be a youth pastor, or if you asked me one of the 36 kids who was not going to live past 20, he would have been not going to live past 20, or he'd have been one. There's never, in a, never in a, in a day that he would ever do that. And he said, I said, well, I told him, I said, well, you got to tell me your story. Come on, I want to hear. I mean, you must have had this dramatic experience. Somebody must have really just impacted your life. And you must have, it must have been this you know, great thing. And so he, he said, no, no, here's you. And my, I'm going back to going, how many times did I want to punch that kid out? <laughs> See, you know, I'm a man. I'm a human, okay? It's just... <laughs> I mean, he made class miserable. And, all I, and that's all I remember. I don't, I don't remember him saying, wow, that was really good teaching. Wow, I really got something good today. I don't remember any, not one time did I remember that. Okay? I mean, I, you know, and I only had him for a year. Because I ended up becoming the senior pastor. So I had him longer than that, but I mean, only as in the youth group. And so we talked, and he just shared, he shared how much and everything. And you know, I just, when I got off the phone, I really just, I wept before the Lord. And the reason I did is because I said, God, thank you that I didn't give in to my flesh. Thank you that I did not hurt that kid. Thank you. You know, I just thought about all, you know, because I just was reminded of all the times. And I thought, Lord, you're amazing. You're amazing. And even in the things, what we see, see, because it was the power of the, he said, you just, you kept bending and bending. I never could break you. I said, oh, you don't know how many times you did break me, but I didn't let you know it. <laughs> I just never, you know, when you're swimming with the alligators and don't bleed, man, you got to just, don't let them see you sweat. It's all good. Amen. But the word of God was a seed because when he started sharing, he'd say, yeah, but I remember when you said this. And then when you said that, and when you said this, and this is, you know, years later when he's graduating, you know, from college and stuff. So I guess it wasn't as long, maybe seven years later because he was 16 or 17 in my group. But what happens is, is that 
The truth was there. And here's what we do, and we're going to close this, we're going to wrap this thing up, is that, listen, don't let something that you think you know stop you from knowing something truly that you should know. Don't think you've got all the word of God that this truth, this, this word. Well, I know that. I've heard that. I've seen that. I look at this. Listen, thank God there's more truth in here. Just because we've heard the truth, just because we can memorize the truth, just because we can maybe quote it and do everything, doesn't mean that we've got the full fruit of it. Amen? Because we've got to believe it. We've got to practice it. We've got to put it into action. And then we can begin to taste and see that the Lord is good. So when I share all this with you is because, you know, this just stirred my heart. We were there with everybody. Is that it reminded me of all the things that, man, you have no idea how powerful your testimony is. You have no idea how powerful the word of God in your mouth is. It's just as powerful as the word of God in God's mouth. And that what you say is so vitally important that it can change. And truth in the kingdom of God always grows and grows and grows and grows and grows. Hallelujah. And God wants us to do this. Amen. So let's get, let's just realize, you know what? I'm going to share truth. I'm just going to speak what the word of God says. And it's the seed. And that seed will stay in there. It may lie dormant, but that seed is going to pop up one day and it's going to produce results in people's lives. And they're going to say, what's well, because of so-and-so? And you're going to be like, yeah, me? Yeah, you said this, you know? Amen? And you know, the funny thing about it is, is that you've heard me tell stories about being in in ministry or being in services and stuff. And I, I, I give everybody credit because that's where, wherever the Holy Spirit reveals me, I give the person that, that's preaching, I give them the credit. And I remember, and this happened to me multitudes and multitudes of times because I go up and say, man, that was so good. You did this. And they look at you like, I didn't say any of that. I said, well, I'm giving you the credit because it was your voice that spoke to me and the Holy Spirit used it and praise God. And they're like, good, can I have your notes? I said, you sure can. Here you go. <laughs> Because I took notes. But it'd be, because, see, we're not limited by what's the knowledge. But when we let the word of God come out of us, it changes us. And it goes into it. And if you've never, speaking the word of God, all of a sudden hear yourself. It's kind of like you're outside and you hear yourself talking and you go, man, that's good. That's really good. Wish somebody should write that down. I do that every Sunday. When I have notes, I look at them, I, I move them around and everything else. So you think I'm doing something. It's awesome. I mean, you should, she should see. She says, I give her and say, look at my notes. She said, you didn't say none of this. I said, I know, but it's good notes. See, that's why I always get excited to come to say, because I don't know what I'm going to say. It's like, let's do this. <laughs> Amen. Because it's like, Yes. And the reason for that is, is because I trust the Holy Spirit to form fit it and I'm listening because I want God to speak to your hearts. Amen. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for these. These folks are so good, so wonderful. Thank you for all these folks, all the ones that are watching. Father, they just draw things out of me. Lord, my heart is, I know I told a lot of stories today, but I was talking about the power of seed, the power of our words, the power of our life. Oh, that we may be the only Bible anybody's ever read. And we may be the only one that people come in contact with that we need to be sensitive because one word from God, it's a seed. If we can plant that seed. And you said that your word would not return unto you void, but it will accomplish the thing whereunto you sent it and it'll prosper in it. 
this seed is the ever-living seed. It's incorruptible. It's indestructible. Thank you for your seed. That's why John 3.16 is so awesome. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Lord, thank you. Thank you, Father, for every person here. But if there's somebody here that's struggling, they're not sure about this whole Christianity. They're not sure about Jesus. Or they're not sure that Jesus loves them anymore. They may have messed up. Oh, that we can reassure them that they can get forgiveness. And that God so loved the world. He died for us while we were yet all sinners. So God's love is still moving. God's love is still cleansing. God's love is still forgiving. And if you are here and you need Jesus Christ to be the Lord of your life, you say, yes, I do. Just raise your hand and rely. Or if you need to come back to God, you just raise your hand. Or if you're watching this, Jesus said he loves you. All you got to do is believe in your heart and confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. You shall be saved. Hallelujah. That's God's plan. That's God's. He wants that more than anything else. He wants the world to be saved. He wants them to know him and how wonderful he is. And that's what our job is as the church is to show, hallelujah, the world and the devil how great God is. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Now, Lord, I thank you for all those that are here. Father, I thank you for the church, for the Christians. Thank you, Father, that we are going to be lights. You told us that we are lights that go in out in a crooked and perverse generation. We're going to go. We're going to be lights that shine. Shine for righteousness. Shine for holiness. Shine for the, the, the things of God, Father. Oh, let, let us be ready to give an answer to every man that asks the reason of the hope that's within us. Lord, I thank you for that. And I praise you for it now. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen and amen.